Oh, I guess we can forgive you this once. Don't do it. You can never go back. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to widgmo.com and check them out. Don't panic, be most of this episode is sponsored by Pier 60 Incorporated. Pier 60 Incorporated knows that the best JavaScript developers hone their skills by listening to JavaScript Jabber podcast. If you're looking for a front-end or full-stack development opportunity helping Fortune 100 companies understand their customers better, email jobs at peer60.com. Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 94 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey there. Merrick Christensen. Hey, guys. AJ O'Neill. Coming at you live from the not-cold-enough winters of Utah. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I guess I'm the only one of us that's not fresh off the ng-conf train. I also skipped. Oh, AJ. okay. AJ's a skipper. I see. And we have a special guest this week, and it's uh, Toby Rice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah, sure. So I'm a software engineer. I'm working for Uxibu, a mostly German-based JavaScript company. And I well, started working at Uxibu in 2011. And before that, I worked... Uh, about 10 years at a company where I was uh, mostly responsible for visualizing their uh, data. And so, yeah, that's that's my background. Cool. So uh, what what does uh, Oxibu do? JavaScript consulting, um, TDD coaching, and yeah, we also have some products. We work on our own, like Bonsai.js which is open source. We have other open source projects. And yeah, that's Uxibu, I guess. Cool. So uh, what what made you guys decide to do something like Bonsai.js? Well, the main reason for doing Bonsai.js is that we started working on a new project that is called Pixel Plant, which is a Flash to HTML5 converter. And what we needed is uh, a renderer, and a lot of other stuff, of course, but uh, one of the pieces um, you need to build such a product was the renderer, and Flash has a very rich API, and that's why we decided to start from scratch and build our own renderer, and that's Bonsai.js. Cool. So do you want to walk us through kind of the basics of Bonsai.js? I'm, I'm looking at the docs. I'm, I'm still having a little bit of... Yeah, maybe maybe explain what Bonsai.js is. You kind of alluded to it. Well, first of all, it's a graphics and animation library. So, yeah, it's written in JavaScript. The renderer we use right now is SVG, but in theory, it's renderer agnostic. So it would be possible to write um, a renderer with 2D canvas or WebGL or just uh, HTML and CSS, whatever. It's open source, and the API is uh, very rich. (laughs) 
But uh, as I said, it's because of our main use case for Bonsai JS, which is Pixel Plan. And yeah, we didn't reach 1.0, version 1.0, which means, um, yeah, the API is not settled yet. So um, we can still decide that uh, we'd like to do some changes on the API, but for our main purpose, it's enough. And there are some differences to to other libraries. Let's pick two. The one is, as I said, the, the rich API, and the other one is the architecture. So Bonsai has tries to to do the painting stuff and compositing and styling and so on on the main thread and to compute the f- next frame. Um, that's, uh, are we trying in a, in a separate thread? So for example, in the worker or on node or, uh, on an iframe, then it's of course not an, a separate thread, but yeah, Do you that's mainly for, for debug reasons. Okay. I was going to say, does it affect performance much doing it that way or? Um, yeah, that's, that's the main reason, main reason for doing this. So the idea is that you have, like, let's, let's talk about the, the frame budget you have. That's like 16 milliseconds and to draw at 60 frames per second. So you have 60 milliseconds to compute the next frame and to draw everything. And the idea is to, to split that and have 60 milliseconds to draw everything and 60 milliseconds or nearly 60 milliseconds to compute the next frame. So that's the idea. You, you can do the, the, the computation in another thread and then send the result to the main thread. And then the main thread is only responsible for drawing and not computing the next frame. That's the idea. So one thing that I'm kind of curious about, so let's say you have one thread and the next thread is your little character or, you know, some little icon that's, you know, moved over a little bit. Does it start from the previous frame and then, you know, just, you know, render that or, you know, put that thing just one one place over or does it reconstruct it every time? The computation is, is of course, just the delta. So you just, in the first frame, you say, uh, go to, I don't know, uh, X5, uh, Y5 or something. And then the next tick, you say, okay, now to 10, 10. And then we, uh, the, the, the renderer is responsible for, for doing it right. <laughs> so right now we use uh, SVG. And we try to, to optimize our code in that way that we just do the, the minimum to draw everything. So uh, it doesn't take too much time. So the, I'm glad you mentioned the architecture because when I first looked at Bonsai, that was by far the most interesting part for me. Can you talk a little bit about how maybe people could share renderers for maybe games? Share, share context, I suppose, maybe a node context? Yeah, the idea is that the computation of the next frame can be optimized by doing one part on the server and comparing different uh, situations with different players, like uh, computation of, of a hit or something, a collision, and send the already uh, computed result to the renderer. That's, I think that's the idea. So you can do um, multiplayer games by sharing like a by sh- yeah exactly yeah, sharing exactly. a note 
computation layer. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the idea. One of the other things that seemed kind of interesting when you guys were coming out was you almost wanted interoperability with Flash, right? Like a great deal of the of Bonsai's APIs are very obviously influenced by Flash, which ends up in having this really rich way of structuring animations and like. Is that still a design goal for you guys to be a compile target from Flash or was it ever? Am I totally misled? It was, yes, because it was our very first use case. I think we are at a point uh, where we can reach the next level. So I think Bonsai.js, it has the benefit of having that very rich API. But on the other side, th- on the other side, you of course have the problem that this kind of results and sometimes in bad performance because you can do like everything. And if you can do everything, <laughs> then uh, you, you don't have the expected results you would like to have on a, on a game with 60 frames per second when you apply in every frame a mask and a clip and, I don't know, uh, changing colors and, and stuff like that. That's um, very expensive. Right. That's our very expensive drawing instructions. So we, we thought about changing the API a little bit, more concentrating on the attributes that are possible to render very fast, like transformations or alpha value or something like that. And that's uh, kind of operations that can you do mostly on the graphics card. So they're very fast or supposed to be very fast. Maybe also depending on the renderer, so maybe we should switch to another renderer for doing that. Maybe we shouldn't use SVG. And I don't blame SVG. <laughs> I, I mostly blame the browsers for implementing SVG as they did. But, well, this the spec of SVG is very rich. So it's the same problem. Right. But I feel like you guys are, are really one of the only people trying to separate the renderer and the computation layer for performance, which is a really interesting idea. Yeah, there are a lot of discussions uh, about the same approach uh, on different mailing lists. So people are talking about that idea a lot. But yeah, there, there are not that much libraries that are they're really using that approach, applying that approach. Do you have maybe a, a percentage of speed performance you get when you are able to maybe offload a uh, game in this way? Uh, what do you mean exactly by... I mean, conceptually and in theory, it should be much faster. But how much faster? Faster uh, comparing to what? Do, do, do you talking about the, the rich API? Faster than if we did all the computation in the same thread. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can't share any numbers. But uh, also, the thing is, um, performance is not a tool. So um, it depends on the use case. Right. Sometimes it's definitely faster, sometimes it's not. And um, I can just say we compared it with some movies and we switched from, from the worker to the iframe and it was very obvious that uh, the, we, we now dropped frames. And right. with the worker, we didn't. Right. Is there any uh, server-side rendering implications for doing the, the node context, or does it just shell out via WebSockets or something? How does it get the computation data from Node back into the browser to paint? Yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing built in Bonsai right now. It's more like a use case 
uh, on it's more like an idea we we had some showcases with on on different uh, conferences where we showcased a multiplayer game or something like that but uh, we don't have something uh, we released yet for 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 doing that so uh, I think right now you you need to build uh, everything on your own but the general idea using Socket.io for doing that job, I think, yeah, that's the right way for doing it. Okay. So how does this uh, compare to some of the other graphics libraries out there? I mean, we've got Raphael, or isn't there like a D3 or something library out there that do graphics in JavaScript? Yeah. Well, as I said, performance is not a tool, so we end up having a lot of different libraries. There are, uh, there are tons of 2D graphic libraries. And every library says it's the fastest or, or whatever. But it, they mostly concentrate on certain use cases. The one says you can use it only with SVG. And the other says, well, we're good when you use games. And D, D3, I guess, you should use it if you want to draw um, charts. Maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I'm sure you have other use cases, but I guess at least they started with, with doing that. Um, so I guess that's the reason for having so many different graphic libraries. And, and we try to compare different, um, libraries before we started on Bonsai. And what we learned was that the API we needed was not exposed by all the libraries. So that was the main reason for doing that. Maybe also the idea of having a worker, but I guess the, the main reason was that the, the lack of, of API. Sure. One big difference too, I think, like you mentioned, is the high-level API, like the ability to specify a rect or doing color transformations. I mean, it's a really rich API. Like if you, if you are familiar with Flash at all, it's, it looks a lot like that with sub-movies and assets and fonts and, you know, all these shape primitives. It's really nice. But one big thing versus maybe like a D3, et cetera, out of the box is the animation is can be keyframe or time-driven. So you can create these timelines and animate along the timelines. Does that make sense? Kind of like how Greensock animation does it. Yeah. So, so yeah, there, there are other libraries as well that, that try to be very near to the, the Flash API. And, and I think you are also talking about the scene graph itself. So like having sub-movies, being able to load sub-movies um, while being at runtime. And yeah, that's that's something we, or Bonsai do as, as well, yes. And just to be clear, so people know, a movie is essentially just like something scripted up with Bonsai. You know, yeah. it's an animation. Yeah, it's a container. It's yeah, a container, it's a... and it's it's. I think it's 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 like uh, a module system. <laughs> uh, so you can write your own movie, and you store it in one file, and then you have some other movies, and every movie is in its own file, and then you just load at the beginning one movie, and that's the loader. And while the loader is running, you load the rest. The, the rest of the, let's say, the, the 10 movies. And when they are all finished and ready to play, you disable the loader 
and show the the ten movies. So right. I think it's it, that's a movie. It's a container. It's it's a module. Right. I think that was part of what was throwing me off was just that uh, you know everything the the terminology and then just you have a div element that you you point the movie to and then you you've got uh, other stuff going on in there in the the code that tells it what to do and just just thinking about all of that stuff was kind right. of kind of different. But I, I haven't done any sort of animation programming in the past, so. So what is kind of the future of Bonsai going to look like? I mean, there's a lot of kind of inherited stuff from, from the Flash interoperability. I mean, even the term movie probably came from Flash, right? It's I guess just I'm a movie that. clip. <laughs> yeah, movie clip. That's what it was in Flash. What's the future going to look like? Where are you guys going if you're not going to keep chasing the, the Flash interoperability? That's a very good question. The question is, do we have another use case uh, other than the pixel plant? Right now, everything is fine. We don't have to touch Bonsai Jazz uh, because it's uh, it, it's all we need for uh, for for shipping pixel plant. But yeah, depending on the use case, we are ready to to add new stuff or change uh, change stuff or of course um, build a new renderer. Right. So what kind of render would be next? Like a canvas renderer or maybe a WebGL renderer? That would be nice, yes. What we we actually started working on a canvas renderer and we also started working on a pure CSS renderer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the point is that transformations, CSS transformations are are mostly drawn by by the graphic card. Uh, which means you just send the the CPU just uh, don't need to do anything and that's why it's it's faster and yeah that's the point of using CSS free uh, transformations. Sure, I guess. But, how but on the other side, on the other side, that of course means yeah, since you're using CSS, you need a way to support all the other features as well, like masking, clipping, and so on. And yeah, we need to make sure if that's all possible with CSS or we say, well, whatever, let's have a CSS renderer for that kind of use case and let's have an SVG renderer for that kind of use case. So if you want, want to use masking and clipping and so on, then maybe use, maybe you should uh, pick the, the, the SVG renderer. And if it's just about transformations, which is very often only uh, transformations, then yeah, you should use the CSS renderer because it's supposed to be faster. Sure. So when you use a CSS renderer, how do you draw certain shapes, right? Like you have a lot of high level abstractions for just shapes, like a circle. Are you talking about actually doing like a, like a border radius, you know, 50% or are you talking about using SVG and then CSS for the transformations? Yeah, interestingly, that's not really important. <laughs> so the, if you draw something, I'm not talking about moving an object. I'm talking about drawing an object. It sure. nearly always has the, the same impact. So if I use border radius or if I create an SVG context and, and, and use SVG API to draw a circle or if I use a uh, canvas and, and by that, uh, use a circle, uh, sorry, uh, draw a circle. That doesn't matter because everything needs to be drawn. So that mostly happens on the CPU. The, the point where it's getting faster is when you try to move that object. 
Because do you it gets... move it on the CPU or do you move it on the, on the GPU? And if you use a GPU, then it's supposed to be faster. And, and that's sure. the point. So we, so what does it mean? It means that we can still use SVG to draw a circle, but then apply CSS transformation on the SVG context. Okay. To try and get the GPU to composite it as its own layer or something. Yeah, exactly. Am I the only one that's really surprised that it actually doesn't matter how you draw the object? I, I find that surprising. It's a little surprising. Yeah, it's a it's a little surprising. I could see that. I, I I'm interested to know about this SVG and because I've heard people talk about in theory SVG should be able to be rendered by the graphics card. Uh, definitely. And it's not. Do you know why? You you can't say it's not um, because oh, okay. maybe there. Yes, Internet Explorer nine tries to do most of the drawing instructions uh, on this on GPU. Okay. Um, but well, I, I I haven't seen any numbers, so I, I can't say if it's really faster. But well, I think in Chrome and, and Safari they definitely use just the CPU. Why? I don't know. Okay. It's it's the same um, problem with the with the animation API of SVG. It's it's not even supported by some browsers. Even so, it's uh, declarative. And that means that you could send all the drawing instructions to the um, GPU upfront. That would be great, but they don't do it. And I have no idea why. Maybe the problem is that SVG is just too rich. The API is just too rich. Yeah, right. I wish I had that problem. (laughs) What, that you were too rich? Exactly. When you guys created Bonsai.js and then uh, built it, obviously you had some goals in mind for solving problems that weren't solved by other libraries out there. Do you feel like you um, met those goals? And if so, you know what were they? Yeah, we did. And mostly the API. Could you um, uh, expound upon that? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, one of the things Flash offers and some libraries don't, for example, is the, the scene graph. So when what is a movie clip? What happens when I have nested movies? Um, how does animation work? And some other um, attributes like masking, filters, etc. Um, such stuff is very well flash specific, and and we thought we need to to try to create a library that does it nearly the same. Let's say we didn't found a library that, that did it the same at that time where we started working on bonsai jazz. When you embed a movie. Right. Does it get, I'm assuming it gets its own computation context and therefore it cannot, it's, it's unawares of its parent and its parent maybe has a reference to it. How does that work? How does the nesting of bonsai movies work from a programmatic standpoint? Yeah. As you said, a movie has kind of a root object and the root object is the anchor point for the nested or for the, for the parent. And so on and so on. So you can decide if you uh, position your movie, and um, you you can do it, um, it. The position applies to the movie where you are right now. And as soon as you're nested, it's relative to the parent's root object, and so on and so on. Okay. Does and that you make have, sense? It totally does. I'm just wondering. 
since they're, they have their own rendering context, can you reach down in to a child movie and grab its elements and, and kind of throw off the movie? Or how does that sandboxing work? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if I, if I uh, got your question right. Um, but a movie, you mean by sandboxing that it doesn't leak any properties or, or something like that? Oh, I mean that when I make one movie clip, it makes a web worker to do the computation. Now, if I embed another movie clip, it makes its own web worker. Doesn't oh, it? Ah, okay. I see. No, that's not that's not happening. Okay. So the whole script, or that the script that tries to embed all the movies, that's executed in a web worker, and the result is that all the other nested executed movies are also running in the same web worker. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. So I'd like to ask a little bit more about the um, API. You said that was kind of your main goal was to make an API that, uh, if, let me see if I'm saying this correctly, that was as similar to Flash as possible. So do you also feel like that API is superior to the APIs available in other graphics libraries and that makes uh, Bonsai.js a compelling uh, alternative over the others? Are you asking if there are other libraries that also have the, the same API? No, no, just in general, other libraries, if if the API that you guys mimicked with Flash, if that is inherently superior to the APIs in other libraries? Well, so maybe the question is, uh, do we think that the Flash API is better than others? <laughs> and yeah. Well, yeah, I think the Flash API is actually really cool. So I think the API is was never the reason why Flash dies right now. <laughs> Um, I think people have been very happy with the API, actually. So I think, yeah, I think that's it's a great feature of Bonza.js to to have nearly the same API. Well, that's not possible, I guess, but but uh, we tried very hard. But at the end, it's it's everyone taste. So so uh, it, it depends on the use case. Sometimes people say, well, I don't need um, so many features, so why should I use that or uh, why should I use that library? I just want to move some objects around. That's it. And another say, well, I, I want to do that and that and that. Or, well, I think the main reason uh, for, for using Bundle.js is, um, okay, I am a Flash developer, and now I'd like to transition to HTML5. How can I do that? And I think then you, at that point, you feel very comfortable with Bonsai.js because you um, you can see API you are already familiar with. And I guess that's one of the main reasons for using Bonsai.js right now. So what about people that are not Flash developers? Is Bonsai.js and, and the Flash API, is it still a really good choice for them if they're just needing to start working with uh, animation or do you feel like it's as good as any other API for people that are brand new to working with animation in HTML5? I would say yes, because uh, we built some tools to make it very easy for developers to start working to, to, yeah, you can, you can directly dive into the API by using the, the Bonsai.js editor. It's called Orbit. And on the left side, you see your code. And on the right side, it is executed immediately. And if you want, you can, you can slide in the, the documentation as well. And when you 
cover a certain keyword, it tries to find that keyword within the documentation. And by that, we hope that helps <laughs> to, um, uh, so people can start very fast. I think that's the main reason for going with Bonsai or for going with any library is if you have success by using it and to have that visual success immediately because you wrote something and you can see it immediately and you can see it failing or whatever, it doesn't matter. You can immediately see what it does. Uh, it gives you feedback. And I think that's very important, especially for, for designers or people that's, yeah, kind of designers and developers. And I think that's a very good thing. And that's not so spe specific for the library. It's more the, the, the good thing is, is are the tools. Does sure. That, yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Also, Bonsai.js, I mean, it is, it's full featured. There are a ton of features in it that uh, make it a compelling choice over maybe some of the other graphics libraries. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've built a, a few animations in Bonsai.js, and it's just excellent in terms of like, these timeline-based animations, things that you would have done in Flash. Bonsai is just an excellent alternative for doing it in the browser with HTML5. Is there some kind of graphical editor that you can use with Bonsai.js or... Yeah, that's what I mentioned uh, before. Uh, it's called Orbit, and you can find it if you go to bonsaijs.org. And there are a lot of example movies as well, so you don't need to start from scratch. You can pick one and try to modify the existing movie. I think that's also something that that's very helpful. It's not so much organized, the, the, the example movies. Uh, we just started throwing in some stuff <laughs> we, we, uh, we built, but um, I think that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So let's say you want to use the color API or, or want to see what can I do with masking. There are some, some example movies that are using that or that feature. And yeah, so that's then you can start with that script instead of starting from scratch. Very nice. So one other question I have is, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, you said Flash in general. Um, a lot of the Flash out there is games. So is there a way to tie this back into, like, play sounds or uh, capture keyboard events or things like that? Yes. There's a, a video and audio API, and yes, can capture keyboard events. And um, well, but, but the, the thing is with uh, with the audio and video API that it doesn't do exactly what what Flash does in terms of all the attributes Flash um, supports. We yeah, we. Yeah, the, the, the point is at that point where we started uh, working on, on audio and video API, there, there was, well, well, it was, uh, no audio. What is it called? The new, uh, audio. Yeah, the uh, audio, uh, context. Node, all the node context stuff. Yeah, exactly. So we, we used what we had <laughs> and, uh, the, the, the features of HTML5 audio and HTML5 video are not that rich than the, the features of Flash. Uh, 
Even but now. I was well. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe we could start working on the new audio library, a uh, new audio API. But there was no reason for doing that right now. We 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 have been able to to, to build a pong game, for example, with the current state of the audio API, and that was fine. You built a pong game with the API, like so that when it hits the pong, it makes yeah. the sound. Exactly. Does that happen to work on uh, iPhone yet? Do you know? Yeah, sure. Oh, cool. That's maybe I completely missed that point. <laughs> but the reason for converting your Flash stuff to HTML5, the main reason is you you want to to run it to make it run on on iPad and an iPhone. So I think that's that's of course a great feature of Bonza.js that uh, we tried to make all happen on uh, such devices. Yeah, sounds sounds are really tricky on mobile devices though, which is what I think AJ was alluding to because yeah. permission wise, they kind of lock you down. Yeah, what what I experienced was that unless the user clicks and you're doing a synchronous call to the audio API during the click event, that it would not allow the sound to happen. And I don't know if that's changed. I haven't played with it since I last played with it, which was like a, over a year ago. Um, yeah, that's, that's not a bug. It's, it's a feature. <laughs> you just don't want to have sound without the permission of the user on a tablet and, and a phone. Well, I, I mean, think that's, like, that's the main point. Like you had to press a button in order to get the thing to play, but once they had already allowed it, like every single time you still had to have the user press a button in order to be able to make a sound. Like you couldn't say when this event happens, make a sound once they've allowed it was, was when I used it, but it sounds like now it's different. Now mm. you can get permission once and then you can make sounds as much as you want. Yeah. I think the, the, the point is that you just uh, try to share one audio instance and, and then it's fine. You give permission for one audio instance, and by audio I mean uh, HTML media elements um, yeah. or audio HTML media element, whatever. And um, then you have the permission, and then you can do whatever you want. So you just need it one time, and you don't even need a source. As far as I know, you don't even need a source. You just say load or play, and uh, on that instance, and and then that's fine. That makes that, that's an interesting that's an interesting way to get around or not I guess not get around but I guess that's an interesting way to have a long lived audio element that you'd then just swap out the sources for you probably have to do some preloaded asset loading but I know Bonsai does that already yes well we, we we can't do what the browser doesn't provide of course so we we can't load any uh, media if the user doesn't give the permission for doing that um, sure. We just can't do that, but um, of course, that's that's. I think that's up to the to the user, the um, the one who uses sponsor chairs. Uh, he he should be clever enough to have a like a spinner or something, and then let the user click uh, one time on on a button. Like, do you want to play that game? <laughs> okay, sure. So he clicks on it, and, and then that was user permission, and then um, that's it. You can use audio and video. Sure. All right. Well, it sounds like we kind of wound down on the questions. Let's go ahead and do the picks then. Merrick, do you want to start us off with picks? My first pick is my fellow NGConf organizers, Dave Geddes 
Aaron Frost, Kip Lawrence, and Joe Eames, and um, someone else that we hired named Sonny Leggett. They just did awesome work on NGConf, and I'm so grateful that it's done and it went well and grateful for all the attendees. It, w- it was terrific. My second pick is actually going to be the web audio API that Toby mentioned. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. It has all s- sorts of capabilities and crazy things you can do with it, especially in the context of games, way more than like play stop sounds. And it's just a ton of fun to mess around with. And lastly is the BeagleBoard Black, which is sort of a microcontroller Raspberry Pi hybrid. It ships with Node and a Linux distribution right on it. And the Node API actually emulates the Arduino RAID write pin. So if you're from Arduino, it's not too unfamiliar to start hacking hardware. And those are my picks. Awesome. All right. Uh, Joe, what are your picks? All right. So I'm going to be a little follow in suit and I'm going to pick the other edgy conf organizers, especially Merrick, who just uh-huh. really killed it with the website. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. It was really a privilege to work with those guys. And, so as a second pick to that, I'm going to pick the uh, Angular community. I've been to a lot of conferences, and I've never seen a community as excited and as into a technology as the Angular community. And I think people there were really bonded together by Angular. They seemed to everybody just seemed to get along. Everybody was talking to everybody. There's a lot of socializing going on. So I'm going to pick Joe, the Angular community. Yeah, if Joe. I'm not correct though. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, you do come from like a Microsoft.net background. Maybe that's why there wasn't a ton of enthusiasm. Yeah. Out, <laughs> <laughs> bro. Out. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. It was just a <laughs> right after your kind pick to me. Right, right. And then I also want to pick something that I saw at NGConf for the very first time: the Sphero. That thing was wicked awesome. Those guys did a hack night the first night and showed how to program the Sphero ball and you know, it does colors, it moves around. It's pretty, it was pretty wicked. I really enjoyed seeing that. So I'm definitely picking one up to screw around with with my kids and teach them, hopefully get up, you know, my son excited about robotics and get my daughters to be a little bit more interested in uh, technology. And I was really excited by that. So those are going to be my picks. Awesome. AJ, what are your picks? So I may have mentioned that I bought a Wii U a few moons ago. And unfortunately, the flagship games have not come out yet, which for me, flagship games are Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, and Zelda. So in the meantime, I've been playing Nintendo Land and Mario 3D World. And I'm, I'm more of a social gamer. Like, I don't like to sit by myself and, and game very much, but I like to game with friends and, and occasionally I game by myself. But so Nintendo Land is actually, it looks kind of stupid. That was my initial impression was like, oh, okay. But it turns out to be incredibly fun. In particular, they've they've taken two games that we all played as kids, Tag and Capture the Flag, and then turned them video game style, where on the the little gamepad screen, as uh, the so I think most gamers are familiar with like the the screen. What do you call it? Screen spying or whatever. Well, because the the one person who is it has the gamepad. You can't screen spy, and they get to see different things than what you get to see up on the TV. So you can have two or three people on the couch while looking at the TV screen watching the game, and then one person that's got the game pad, and they're playing the game on the game pad. 
And so it's it's just a really interesting style of game that brings uh, a new dynamic. And it, I, I think Nintendo Land really demos the kind of things that you can do. That was um, fantastic. The The screen cheating was the bane of, of my Halo days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're totally right, AJ. There's just one really, really, really big drawback to that game, and that is that you have to buy a Wii U. <laughs> so I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue against that because I think that Nintendo really has a niche. Like it's it's really interesting. Nintendo sells more consoles than any other console system consistently, but they also sell fewer games than any other console system consistently. It, like the people that I think it's eight year olds. I think that's their niche, and then they can't afford to buy the games. It's more <laughs> that they're they're family oriented and they're social games. And that's what I like about Nintendo because I'm not, like I said, I'm not big into, uh, like, I don't have any M-rated games other than, like, Perfect Dark on Nintendo 64. I'm just not into the whole, that kind of thing. I I, I like Final Fantasy. I like Zelda. Those are both kind of one-player RPG-style games. But other than that, like, all the games that I like to play are social games. And Nintendo does really good at that. And Mario 3D World is cool because you can, like, touch on the gamepad to, like, uh, get into things that you can't easily get into if, like, a, uh, you'd have to play it, but it's cool. I think you've left Merrick speechless. Excellent. <laughs> All right, so I've got some picks here. The first one is an app for my Mac. It's called Memory Free, and it just puts a little thing in my uh, toolbar at the top that tells me how much memory is free. And it gives me an option to clear it out. And I've had some memory issues in the past. Usually it's Chrome's fault, but not always. So just going to put that out there. I've also been reading this book that's been really, really interesting. And I'm really enjoying it. It's called The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And it's by uh, Thomas Stanley. And it's just got all this information about all of the things that millionaires have in common and the way that they uh, view and approach the world. And he he surveyed hundreds of them and just talked to them and, and really kind of figured out what makes them tick and what makes them approach things the way that they do. So anyway, really, really uh, liking that. And uh, those are my picks. Toby, do you have some picks? Yes, I have. I uh, have one. Um, it's the feature list of Physics Chess. Uh, physics Chess is a physics engine uh, for JavaScript. And uh, I really like the feature list. They try to be very modular. So uh, it looks like um, that the core is very small and it's extensible. So you can plug in, well, let's say some uh, constant gravity or collisions or something like that. And they're also render agnostic. So, and that's really something I, I like to say because, yeah, that's also specific for bonsai chess. When you execute your movie within the worker, you don't have access to the DOM. And that's why it's sometimes tricky if you want to use a existing third party library in bonsai because as soon as it starts using the DOM, it doesn't work. So I, really like to uh, encourage people to write small and modular things that don't stick to a specific renderer. And so the the guy who uses the, the library can still choose what he'd like to use, uh, either DOM or Canvas or whatever. So that's my pick. Cool. 
All right. Well, I think that's everything. Thanks for coming on the show, Toby. Thank you. That's great. All right. Well, we'll wrap up and we'll catch you all next week.